Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. Good morning, Christ Community Church. Oh, come on. Come on. I'm tired. I'm up here. For some reason, I'm already sweating like a Kardashian's boyfriend waiting on a pregnancy test. But come on, you can do better than that. Good morning, Christ Community Church. There we go. All right. Hey, before we get um, going, and by the way, if you've never been here before, we will have you out of here by 1145. Uh, and my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here. Also, first-time visitor. Be sure to check out our first-time visitor table back there. We have a gift for you. Now, here's the deal. Before we jump into the book of James and continue running through that, we're going to go all the way through chapter 2 today and hit some of your questions that you submitted. Um, a quick word. Some of you have read a book called The Shack, and some of you will go see the movie whether you've read the book or not. Okay, fine. couple of concerns, just concerns about that book. I don't know what they'll do in the movie. I haven't seen the movie. I've only seen the trailer, so I'm not sure what's going to go on there. But in the book, I have read the book, and here's the deal. In the book, essentially, a guy is in pain. He's lost a child, and God brings him to heaven. And God in heaven, instead of being father, son, and spirit is mother, son, and daughter. Okay, now, you need to understand that. I, I don't believe that God has a gender, and I'm not trying to be a sexist jerk, but it is God himself who chose the title Father. And so we need to, I think we should respect that. If that's how God wants to be known, that's how God wants to be known. That's one. Number two, I don't know if they'll do this in the movie, but in the book, in heaven, is this guy's father who never came to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, that's something known as universalism. It's a teaching, a false teaching, that everyone will go to heaven. And the author has gone on record saying, yep, he's a universalist, that's what he believes. The Bible is very clear. The only way you get to heaven is by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, so you just need to know that. If you're going to read that book, watch that movie, fine, but just keep those things in mind. All right, all right, mini sermon over. I've made some of you mad. I'm about to make more of you mad when we jump into the book of James. But before we get there, how many of you have seen a Clint Eastwood movie in your lifetime? Yeah? All right. If you haven't, repent. You need to repent. I love Clint Eastwood. I love Clint. Clint is cool, and, and Clint is the real deal. Like, when I lived in Hollywood, you know, you'd see an action star like, Tom Cruise is, like, trying to be an action star these days. Tom Cruise is, like, 5'5". Five five. He's like a hobbit. He's a teeny, tiny, wee little man. Clint Eastwood is 6'5". Clint Eastwood served in the Army. Clint Eastwood worked his way through college as a bouncer. Right? He got paid to beat people up. I mean, he's the real deal, Clint is. Now, this morning we're going to take a couple looks at, at, at clips from a movie called Pale Rider. Now... Pale Rider is not even in my top ten Clint Eastwood movies, to be honest. It's not even the best Western he's ever done. The best Western he ever done was the outlaw Josie Wells, of course. That's been scientifically proven. But, and so, but Pale Rider's not even in that top five. 
But if you know anything about the movie, what's going on is you have this mining village, and they're being persecuted by this rich guy who wants their land. And so he sends his thugs repeatedly into the village just to terrorize it. And one time they go in, and they kill this little girl's dog. And the little girl goes out into the wilderness to bury the dog and pray. Take a look. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. But I do want. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. But they killed my dog. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. But I am afraid. Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. But we need a miracle. Thy loving kindness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. If you exist, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'd like to get more of this life first. If you don't help us, we're all gonna die. Please. Just one miracle. Oh, if only that was the way it worked. Right? You say a prayer, God sends Clint Eastwood. If only that's what worked. Now, here's the problem. Too often, that's what Christians do. They pray and just expect, oh, God will take care of it. God will do something. But what does the Bible say? Let's jump into the book of James, and I'm already going to apologize to our translators over here. Stretch those fingers because we're going to go quick, guy. All right, we're going to run through this in order to get out of here on time. Let's jump into James 1.19, I believe, where we're starting. Yep. Okay, now, some people ask, who is James anyway? Well, James was the brother of Jesus, the eldest brother of Jesus, son of Joseph and Mary. He was also the leader of the early church. The leader of the early church was not Peter, it was James. You can see that in the book of Acts. He was so popular in Jerusalem among the people that the Jewish leadership put a hit out on him and had him killed in 62 A.D., So that's who he is, and he's writing this very early on. And one of the questions, you guys gave me some great questions. One of them was, why was James selected instead of Peter? Well, probably because, one, he's Jesus' brother, and that probably cut a little bit of credibility with people, right? And and two, because we know uh, Greek scholars will tell you that James, the way it is written, shows that he was very well educated. Some have speculated he may have been trained as a rabbi. So he he probably had great training. He was very smart. He was very well liked, and that's why he was chosen to be leader of the early churches. Somebody asks, but doesn't James contradict Paul? Paul says we're saved by faith alone, and we're about to jump in. James is going to say, where are your works? Well, I'll answer that in a second. Let's jump in. 119. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, he's talking to Christians, and he's saying, okay, ever been in that conversation with somebody that you know is not listening? They're just waiting to talk? Know that person? Maybe you are that person. (laughs) Don't be that person. 
Let's keep going. Go, go back, 119, we're not finished there yet. 19, there we go. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. Now, he's about to connect anger and speech. What he's saying is, look, when you get angry, you think, do, and say things you shouldn't do. Typically, when we say the dumbest, most hurtful things is when we're angry or when we drive through New Boston. Verse 20, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. 21, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you. There, the word, he's talking about the gospel, planted in you, which can save you. Are you saying the word saves you? Keep that in mind, but. But do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, freedom from sin, and and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. And I'm preaching to myself as much as anyone else because if you know me, you know my spiritual gift is sarcasm. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. To not sin and to help The helpless is how God wants you to put your faith into action. you got to remember that in the Roman Empire, if you were a widow, the only way you could earn a living on your own was prostitution or begging. If you were an orphan, same thing, disgustingly enough. So he said, care for those people as worship to God, as thanks to God. My brothers and sisters... Believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. We must not show favoritism or prejudice. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring, and a gold ring in the Roman Empire was a sign of great wealth and stature. And fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, ah, you stand there, sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Again, what have I said again and again and again? You need to remember. I don't care how often you go to church. I don't care how well you know your Bible. I don't care what you do. I am telling you right now, in the universe, there are two levels, Jesus and everyone else. Do not discriminate. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But if you have dishonored the poor, it's not the rich who are exploiting you. Come on, are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? See, in the, in the first century, it was generally assumed that if you were wealthy, you were crooked. Because the Roman Empire had such a tight reign on everything, and to get anything done in the Roman Empire, I mean, you had to bribe somebody. Senators got rich. The, the saying, corrupt like a senator, is not something we invented here in America. That goes all the way back to the Roman Empire, that saying. Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of whom to whom you belong, Jesus Christ? And they did. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism or prejudice, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. You are a sinner. 
For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. In other words, a sinner is a sinner is a sinner is a sinner. We've talked about this before. You can live a near-perfect life, only sin once in your life. But that sin, what is sin? Sin is treason against God who is king and therefore deserves death. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. A sinner is a sinner is a sinner. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. But God will show no mercy to those who have not been merciful themselves. See why here in a minute. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. Now, this is not somebody that's just, just not doing as well as you are. This is somebody struggling to make ends meet daily. And if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In other words, you pray, God will send the Clint Eastwood to them, and you move on. Right? It's like, oh, what's that? Oh, you can't feed your baby? Oh, my gosh, that's awful. Well, I'll pray for you. Come on, honey, let's go to Applebee's. Seriously? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds. I will show you my faith by my deeds. In other words, what James is saying, he's not saying that works save you. He's saying that if you have faith, you will do works just naturally. It's just going to happen. What you really believe in your mind and have in your heart will go to your hands and your feet. Just naturally. If you have come to faith in Jesus Christ, that means, according to Scripture, that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the God who created and sustains the universe, dwells within you. And if it dwells within you, you will see it. Others will see it. James is not saying... But if you do a bunch of good things, God will let you in anyway. He's saying, if you profess faith in Jesus Christ and it's true faith, you're just going to do those things. You believe there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. See, let me stop there for a second. This, I get irritated by a lot of things, as you can guess, by listening to me. But one of the things that really irritates me is that when a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, and then what they do is they, they find some, like, tribe within evangelical Christianity, like the New Calvinism or, or Dispensationalism, which I'll explain in a minute, and, and they get into that, and then that just, like, becomes their obsession. I have met these people who are like, they're all about the end times. All they want to talk about is the second coming of Jesus Christ. All they want to talk about is the rapture and the antichrist, and they got rapture charts, and they got all this kind of stuff, and they figured it out, they absolutely figured it out in their mind that like Putin or Trump is the antichrist, and they can prove it to you with all kinds of numbers and all this other kind of stuff, and this is what's going to happen. There's going to be seven years of tribulation, and all this other kind of stuff, and that's all they do. Okay. Let's say you're right. And so what happens is 
This thing called the rapture, which if you don't know what that is, it's this theory that Jesus will return and only his followers will be able to see him and all of his followers will just like disappear with him up into heaven automatically in a flash. So if a Christian's driving, that car now becomes a missile. Planes just start dropping out of the air. And then the Antichrist rules. Everybody has to get some kind of tattoo or mark or whatever. And then there's seven years of just really bad stuff going on. And this is what a lot of people believe. Okay, let's say that's right. And let's say you're right. Somehow, even though Jesus, when he was on earth, said he didn't know, you figured out when it's going to happen. And you've got it all mapped out. And then one day, you're outside. And boom, you see planes falling out of the sky. You hear cars crashing everywhere. This is it. This is it. Jesus has come for me. <laughs> You're like, why, why, why wasn't I raptured? Why didn't I go to heaven? Because nowhere in scriptures does Jesus say, what I want you to do as a follower of me is figure out, even though I don't know, when I'm coming back and who the Antichrist is. He says, what, until I return, your job, and you can read this for yourself, Jesus himself in Matthew 25, 14 through 46, says that if you don't share the gospel with other people, if you don't tell other people about how to come to faith in me, and you don't care for each other, especially your fellow Christians, go away from me. I never knew you. In other words, you never really had faith in me to begin with. You may have claimed it, but just saying it doesn't make it so. That's Jesus himself. I haven't got time to go through Matthew 25, 14 through 46. Read it yourself. You can get all that stuff right. You can, get, you can have great theology. James says, great, the demons have great theology. And what are you doing? You foolish person. Verse 20. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was it not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. Now the faith that was made was complete was for Abraham. Abraham needed to have greater faith. So God called him to do this so that his faith would grow. It wasn't for God's sake, it was for Abraham's faith. Because if you read the story of Abraham, we don't always talk about everything, especially in like Bible school, we don't talk about you know, some of the things Abraham did, like when he tried to pimp out his wife twice. And so he's probably got a little bit of shaken faith when that happens. And so you got this thing going. So this is how God, through his faith, putting his faith into action, he grows. Now, this is where I love James. He uses the example of Abraham, and that's an easy one. Because we all grew up, if you grew up in uh, uh, going to church, you've all sang the little song, Father Abraham, right? You may even did the, the dance, you're trying to forget that. But anyway, if you, if you didn't grow up in church, you have no idea what I'm talking about right now. That's okay, trust me, you're better off. But now here's where James goes, I love this. Next line, 23. And the scripture was fulfilled, Abraham believed God, and it was credit to him, credit to him, not earned, credit to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. 24. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In other words, if you have faith, it will show. This is where I love it. Go on. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute. I love the two examples he uses are Father Abraham and Rahab the prostitute. I don't understand why we didn't sing a song about Rahab the prostitute when we were kids. Yeah, Rahab the holy hooker, something like that. Um, 
In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? If you don't know that story, you can go back and read it. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. James and Paul, and if you don't think Paul believes us, go 2 Corinthians 5.10. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, we must all appear, all of us, appear before the judgment seat. And that'll happen. And what, the way God will judge whether we belong to him or not is not by whether we got all teared up and, and, and said the sinner's prayer or whatever and, and, and you know, got baptized, but... Did we come to faith and then show our faith? If we have faith, it will show. And now here's where some of you are going to get really mad at me. If you claim to have faith in Jesus Christ, but you have never invited a single unbeliever to church, you've never shared your faith with someone else, You've never taken the time to try to help another person who's suffering. What I'm telling you this morning is you need to sit there and ask yourself, were you ever saved in the first place? And I'm telling you that if you just, if you have, call it whatever you want, rededicating your life, whatever. I am telling you that if you do that and then you just go put your faith into actions. There's smart ways to do that. There's dumb ways to do that. I understand. I'll talk about that in a second. You will be absolutely amazed at what you see and how you grow. Uh, Craig Rochelle is a mega church pastor down in Oklahoma, I think, and, and he said that when he came to faith in Jesus Christ, he got a Bible study together, and they would read like a chapter of the Bible, and then if it had a command in there, they would just, as a group, get up right then and go do it. And they said they were amazed. The group grew and grew and they grew and grew and grew. And it, it just, it was amazing. So what i got to ask you is, if you truly trust the words of Scripture inspired by God, then you will put them into action. Now again, I understand there are smart ways to this and there are dumb ways to this. So for example, it makes more of you mad. You see somebody on the street, and we've got a lot of them in this small town, asking for food or asking for money. Giving them food, fine, great, wonderful. Giving them clothes, giving them blankets, what, that's great. Do not give them money. Do not give them money. There's a great book called Under the Overpass, written by two kids who went out and made themselves homeless for a summer to figure out what was going on in the streets and how best to help the homeless. They got back, they wrote the book, and in the book they say, don't give anyone money. Because, he said, 90% of the people we were homeless with were addicted to drugs or alcohol. And you're just feeding, don't do it. Food, yes. Water, yeah, what? don't give them money. And I also understand there are some people, because I've had to deal with this just as a pastor in the last couple weeks, I've had people come to me, and, and how do I do, how do I help this person, how do I help this person, and, and then I have to kind of say, all you can do is pray, because let's say, for example, someone is an addict. You've got a loved one or a friend who is an addict. If they don't want to change, you can't change them. 
The only people that can change an addict is the addict and God. That's it. But if there is somebody, and I understand some people, there are some people out there who just, you know, they're constantly in financial trouble because they overspend, they don't budget, they don't, you know, I understand that too. And that's something we do at this church. You, don't, you may not know that a lot of the money you give to this church, we turn around and give to others, especially people here in, in the congregation who need help. And we're happy to do that. But we often have to tell people after they, if they come to us two, three, four times, like, okay, look, we need to sit down and you need to meet with a financial counselor and you need to get together what's called a budget. So there are smart ways to help people and there are dumb ways to help people. But we're still called to help people. Now, one other quick clip from Pale Rider. I tell you, the little girl prays, Clint Eastwood shows up, and the villagers basically stand around and watch while he goes to work. Nearly all the time by himself. For example, he does this, and, well, just roll the clip. now, preacher? Part of it, leastways. Every guy in the congregation just groaned. Stopping by, son. Again, that would be awesome if God did that. He sent an avenging angel every time a Christian was wronged, like Clint Eastwood. But did you notice everybody just standing around staring at this going on? Today in North America, one of the reasons why, it's just one of the reasons, one of the reasons why, we have a growth of secularism. We have, we have horrible drug problems, especially in this area and so forth, is because the church is standing around waiting for God to send an avenging angel instead of doing something themselves. I mean, it's just, I, I tell you this, it's just like, I don't know. It, we have lots of Bible studies here. I do a free seminary class. But there's sometimes I get so depressed, I start praying. It's just like, okay, we're studying, we're studying, and we're studying, but we're not doing, doing, doing. It's like we're in perpetual spring training. When are we going to get on the field, man? When are we going to get to work? Now, look, 
I, I understand there's a large number of you that, that are doing great with this. I mean, you look back there, that number has gone up. Now we've baptized actually 58. We've baptized 58 people in the last year in a small town like this. That's really good. We're growing. That's great. And so at the bare minimum, inviting someone to church and, and, and giving money is, is, is okay. But what I'm telling you is that if you see someone, especially a fellow Christian, suffering or in need, and you can help, and you don't, you're pulling a pale rider. You're just, well, I'll pray for you, and maybe God will send something, and just he'll take care of it. I got to get to Applebee's, right? And here's how this happens. If you're sitting there struggling with this, and you're going, uh, Matt, come on, man, I'm I'm busy, I got lots going on, I got, I, we're all busy, we all got lots going on. A lot of times we're busy doing nothing, like staring at this stupid thing for hours at a time, right? But I am telling you that if you really want to grow closer to God, if you really want to see, really look yourself in the mirror and know, yes, I am a Christian and I am going to have, then put your faith into action. And the, the way, the motivation you get for putting your faith into action is to preach the gospel, not just to others, but to yourself. You have to look yourself in the mirror. And you have to see yourself as you are, which is a sinner, a rebel against God. And you're a rebel in need of redemption. You need salvation. And if you've come to faith, Jesus Christ has saved you wholly by his work. He went to the cross for you. And the more you go to the cross and you see Jesus there in your place, you don't just see Jesus on the cross. You see Jesus on the cross in my place. And if that doesn't break your heart, and if that doesn't motivate you to action, maybe nothing will. But I hope and pray it does. I really do. When Christians motivated by the gospel, go out and act, things happen. Great things happen. Do you know that hospitals were invented by Christians? Public hospitals were invented by Christians. Uh, St. Fabiola, who died in 399, established the first public hospital in Western Europe. She was very wealthy despite her wealth and, and position. She would go out in the streets to personally seek out those who needed care. During the Middle Ages, it was the church who was responsible for running more than 2,000 hospitals in Europe. The Roman Empire was overwhelmed by Christianity because Christians went out and, and see, back then, abortion's been around for thousands of years, but, but it was so dangerous in the ancient times that what they would do is, typically, if you didn't want a baby, you just have the baby and you just throw it outside the city gates. Do you know what Christians did? Every morning, go out of the city gates, pick up the babies, take them home and raise them. And that's what changed the world. Not just saying they had faith, but showing they had faith. James is not contradicting Paul. He's just saying, I will show you my faith by my deeds. We are never going to solve. I don't care who gets elected 
I know people who, who get elected make things better or worse, but I'm telling you, the drug and crime problem in this area is only going to be solved by the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. It's the only thing, and the only way people are going to listen to the preaching of Jesus Christ is if the people of Jesus Christ put their faith into action. And you can do it. I can do it. Not because of some gift that I have or you have, but because you have the Spirit of God within you. And with that Spirit, we can do. With that Spirit, we can watch our anger. With that Spirit, we can watch our tongues. I pray this for me. I pray this for you because I'm telling you, I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you. I, like most people in North America, are addicted to comfort. I want to be comfortable 24-7. And helping others is not comfortable. Listening instead of just talking is not always comfortable. Getting your heart broken is not comfortable. But there will come a time when the trumpet sounds and the king appears. And we will look back and realize, in our life, those are the only things that really mattered. You still with me? Nobody going to stone me afterwards? All right, I didn't hear a no. I'm just so, I'm headed out the back. God bless you all. <laughs> all right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you your book of James. I hope I've answered the questions here. I hope that I preached your word faithfully. I hope that the people here will understand your gospel, understand salvation, understand the depth of their depravity and the grace that they have been given, and that will motivate them to go and do. Not to be saved by their works, but to show they are saved by their works. May this entire church rise up and do this, and may your spirit Enable us to do whatever it is your will to do in this area. All to your honor and your glory. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, if you're a first-time visitor, be sure to hit the visitor's table. Remember that we still have some of these things on the book of James. Dad's preaching next week on James 3. If you've got a question on that, put it in the bowl or send us an email, and we'll try to answer it if we can. God bless you. God goes with you. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.